welcome to Just a Spoonful, the podcast that is young and fully sick. Everyone you hear speaking on this podcast is a young person living with a chronic illness and or disability, including me, your host, Caitlin Plyley. Hello, how are you going? It's been a while. It's good to be back. Uh, I've got a really great episode lined up for you and it feels appropriate to be bringing it to you on Christmas Eve because my guest this episode is a gift. She is a gift unto the world and this interview was one of the most fun hours I've ever spent. And I will tell you more about that in a sec, but first I'd like to catch you up on how I've been living because this podcast is of course about how we're living and what we live for. And how I've been living lately, it's been tricky. It's been really tricky. And that's why this podcast episode is coming to you a little late. This was technically meant to be the November episode, but as you can tell, it's December. Uh, That is because I have been very, very sick for the past six weeks or so. Um, Sicker than usual. Um, My symptoms have been getting steadily worse over the year. Uh, As you may know, I live with myalgic encephalomyelitis or ME, and uh, it is episodic so sometimes it gets worse sometimes it's better Um, and it has been worse lately and there are a lot of complications that come along with living with a chronic illness for years as I have been Uh, you know you've you you uh, if you spend a lot of time in bed that can cause other complications for your body and um, certain oh excuse me certain processes um, don't work the way they're supposed to and yeah so also there's like of course a lot of anxiety and depression that comes along with being sick all the time uh, which is only natural but as is difficult to manage sometimes so it has been a tricky tricky couple months and um, I'm glad to be able to uh, actually have the spoons today to bring this episode to you because I've been really really excited to bring this guest to you. Miranda Sparks is my guest this episode. Uh, She is a comedian, radio personality. You might have heard her on 4ZZZ FM or ABC Brisbane if you live in Brisbane. Uh, She is a community volunteer, transgender advocate and author of the superhero web serial Shimmerverse, which is really fun. And we have a great chat and she talks about her identity as a trans woman how being on the autism spectrum affects her access to certain forms of literature, which is really interesting and something I'd never considered before. Uh, And she debunks the bravery narrative and gives some advice on how to be a good cisgender ally, which I was really happy to learn. Uh, We also talk about comic book movies and, of course, about Shimmerverse, which is her serial that features the hero Glimmer Girl, who is a trans girl who must save the world. And it's a lot of fun. We uh, we also, I also learn, uh, I learn a lot. Of, Miranda's a friend of mine, but I learned a lot about her in this episode, uh, including uh, what she would do in a zombie apocalypse, which is not what you'd expect. It was uh, <laughs> controversial. Some She, she yep, no, I, I was, I was taken aback. Um, but yeah, so she's a very interesting person, has well thought out and interesting opinions on everything and is funny and is just... One of the uh, most uh, powerhouse advocates for for um, disabilities and transgender issues that I've ever met. She has this just seemingly a bottomless well of patience for taking people's hands and and explaining new ideas to them. And she did that to me in this interview, and I learned a lot, and I was very grateful to her for that. Um, 
we recorded this interview a few months ago in Brisbane winter, uh, so you will hear us whining about how cold it is, even though it's Brisbane, so obviously it's like not that cold. But um, so yeah, that it's obviously like disgustingly hot right now. So the, <laughs> this might cool you down. Maybe this will be something to like make you imagine it's winter if you don't like summer. Uh, summer can be a hard time for people with chronic illnesses, uh, including me. If you have uh, people with ME, uh, one of the symptoms is that you have more difficulty regulating your body temperature. So changes in, like extreme changes in temperature can be harder to deal with. And also like everyone just feels more tired in the heat. And that's, that goes like threefold for people with chronic illnesses. So um, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. uh, And it may be find a nice cool place to lie down and have a listen to this really fun chat with Miranda Sparks. I hope you enjoy. I've only just started on Shimmerverse. Yes. Your website. Yes, my my ongoing um, superhero web serial. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Like your website's really cool. You've got fan art on it. Yeah. Well, I know some of it's commissioned. Some of it has been um ha- has been done up. One thing I drew for myself actually the the cover for the Christmas special. <laughs> Which is when the main character, Glimmer Girl, was turned into a little girl so she could rescue Santa Claus. Uh-huh. Um, I actually had fun getting in touch with my inner child and, like, you know, drawing this crayon, like, cover with, like, you know, like, yay, stuff around and and demons. Because for some reason I had to send a six-year-old to hell. Um, mm, I wonder what Freud would make of this. <laughs> oh, Freud, Freud would have an absolute field day and probably blame my mother. <laughs> As Freud is wont to do. Let's talk about your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I've got some things to say there. Um. Um, You do a really good voice. It's like a a sort of grandmotherly voice. Yeah, I I love that voice. Um, It's like our our these kids today, their their music, it's disgusting with their... With their Nicki Minaj and their Iggy Azalea Bankses. Oh, it's just terrible. Oh, it's awful. Shocking, shocking. I was watching the Ray Martin show. He's such a handsome young man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think my grandma ever called Ray Martin a handsome young man, but, you know, she did call a lot of, like, men in their late 50s handsome and young. And (laughs) and I'm just like, Grandma, you cougar. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ray Martin does have an excellent head of hair. Good it, on him. It really does. I I'm, I liked the Eric Banner Ray Martin. Do you remember that in like the '90s when yeah. he used to do um, Fast Forward or whatever it was? Full Frontal, yeah. Full Frontal, yeah. And he had that sort of black plastic Lego yeah, man head. Yeah, it was like Ray Martin. He's a troubled soul. He does his hair with Estopol. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Good, good. times. Um, I wonder what your grandmother would make of Bitch Better Have My Money, uh, the new Rihanna song. Oh, she would hate it. Yeah. She, she would absolutely hate it. Um, I remember there was a song in the 90s um, called I Fuck on First Dates, I think it was. 
Nice. And Straight to the point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just I'm wanted to get the word out. Just just getting the word out. <laughs> um, they had taken in a border for a while, and this kid was, like, listening to that song. I've never heard the song. I don't know about it. But they're just like, that song should I F on first date. It's disgusting. It's what all these kids... I know my grandparents were the kind of people who thought that everything was possessed by demons, oh, and that yeah, 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 because they were the sort of Christians who would like you know whack you on the forehead and just be like you know be gone in the name of Jesus. Ooh, that's yeah. intense. I know, right? Which for which for an awkward little punk rock trans girl was a bit awkward sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that would be really hard to um to grow up with that kind of you know that reality that like demons are real and they, they might possess you at any moment yeah because um, anytime you weren't doing something that fitted into what society was expecting would you just be like maybe this is a demon uh not me personally <laughs> um and unfortunately i think the rest of my family were a bit more down to earth in the sense that they were just like oh yeah some people are just sinful and some people are just jerks um, oh, wise words. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't really take much of their advice either because, you know, like people like me are an abomination to them. And I know that's uh, a. I know, but fortunately. Really I've, cool people? I've found that? a lot of cool people since. So, <laughs> you know, I've dat- I'm dating a lot of cool people. So yeah. that helps. You know, like I'm in a house of cool people. Jax have, is great. I yeah, like she, Jax. she's wonderful. Jack's my, um, Jack's my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, plus the Rex, uh, Jax's girlfriend. Who we live with? Yeah, how's that going? Sorry that we're catching up on air, but <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, that's actually because uh, last I think like one of the last times I spoke to you, you were just about to move in. Yeah. Oh, that was such a stressful process, but you know, now that we're settling in, things are going good. We've got um, the cats are claiming individual humans. Ah. I've, been, I've been claimed by the little black cat Mushroom, who's <laughs> who's like um, Mushroom. You know, yeah, you know, it's like I, I even posted on Facebook. It's like. There's a guy I like. Don't worry, he's a cat. Um, <laughs> but Mushroom, he'll he'll run under my blankets and he'll sit between my legs and he will try and get in the way of my keyboard all the time. So yeah. I cannot write more Shimmerverse. I'm totally segueing back to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if any Shimmerverse uh, Glimmer Girl fans are listening, uh, blame Mushroom. Blame Mushroom. And hunt Mushroom down. Um, no! no. <laughs> he's my baby. <laughs> He's my little dude. <laughs> oh, what a cute name. What a cute little name. Um, <laughs> yeah, when is more? Sh- I, a new Shimmerous came out a few days ago, was it? Yeah, I did uh, I did release a new chapter. I, I released chapters on Mondays and Fridays. Or oh. I try to, anyway. Um, do you actually stick to it? Because this, like, I was, I meant to do this podcast once a month, and I don't. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes I fall off the track. That I alternate right now with uh, another web serial um, I'm writing called The Hellbound Dolls, Ooh. which is a lot, lot darker. Does it involve motorcycles? Uh, sometimes, yes. Uh, it just feels like it has to have motorcycles in it. I just kind of like you know with Hellbound Dolls, I fell in love with um, like the Tokyo culture of ah um, oh, the words not coming to my head, but basically of, of girl gangs. Yeah. In in Tokyo, who. Um, as a form of rebellion, wear longer skirts, which is, you know, like, that's a, that's a really cool one. Yeah. Um, I'd wear a longer skirt in rebellion. Yeah, longer skirts, rolled up sleeves, tattoos, like, tall, wild, colored hair. Um, awesome. Smoking, drinking, getting in fights. They actually, like, we think, you know, sometimes, you know, watching, you know, like, 
foreign films that um like you know the japanese schoolgirls fighting with yo-yos is just like some screen trick but they actually do that <gasps> and there oh are th- there are girls who've uh, been brought up on assault charges because they they you know beat a guy down with a yo-yo <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that yeah beat a guy down with a yo-yo I know. I can't even do, like, walk the dog, you know? Yeah. Or, like, we used to do, like, around the world. Around the world could take a few people out. That could, and probably did in primary school. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got these, these girl gangs, and I decided, you know, hey, what if I wrote um, evil Sailor Moon werewolf trans girls in Tokyo? Yes. And then, then I came up with Hellbound Dolls. And it's a really dark story, and all the characters... Um, it's great because they hate everything. Great. So all of the, the angry stuff that I don't get to do in Shimmer, I get to do through Hellbound Dolls. Um, yeah, because Shimmer is quite... Uh, I do feel like... I Obviously, I'm only like maybe five episodes in. It does feel like it's it's trying to be very uplifting and positive. When, when I started writing it, it was... Okay, my approach to superheroes is that they are a power fantasy, particularly an adolescent one. Yeah. Um, you know, the majority of them, you know, are adolescent power fantasies for boys. Um, well, yes, there's yeah. there's few adolescent power fantasies for girls out there, like, you know, in terms of, um, I know you've got, you know, Wonder Woman, everyone's going crazy for Black Widow right now. Yeah, but she needs her own movie. She really needs her own movie. I'm a Captain Marvel fan, personally. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not huge into Black Widow, but there are a ton of other women in the Marvel Universe who I'm just... I know, maybe I'm being a superhero hipster right now. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Have you... I, I've I've read the first couple issues of Ms. Marvel, which I really enjoyed. Have oh, you read those? Oh, that's Kamala Khan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is an absolutely fantastic book. Oh, beautiful. Oh, God, she uses the word embiggen. And she's <laughs> got this magical dog... That's giant and has a weird yeah, like antenna. Lockjaw, yeah. yeah. Oh, because I, I I don't know if you can tell I'm I'm a complete comic book novice by the fact that I just said magical dog instead of lockjaw. Um, uh, I love it though. I well I know here's the thing like um I know as far as I'm concerned like I know and I'm I'm just going to tangent for a moment. There is the whole thing you know people going about you know fake geek girls and all of that uh, and I'm just like boo. yeah boo <laughs> um and I'm like. What do you care if, like, you know, someone, you know, matches your standard of geekdom? You know, as far as I'm concerned, you could read two books and like the character, and that makes you a fan. Yeah. And that's great. And, you know, if you know less than me about something, but you're still keen on it, I'm happy to come along and talk about it and share because, oh my God, fandoms are supposed to be excited about. Yeah. That's the great thing about them. Well, that's it. Like, I went to a Harry Potter trivia night. And I didn't know the same Harry Potter facts as everyone else there. Yeah. But we all showed up to a Harry Potter trivia night. Like, everyone was equally a Harry Potter fan. There's there's always something to connect to. Like, like yeah. for me, like, you know, with the Harry Potter fandom, um, I, I Wait, was... Wait, you like Harry Potter? I wasn't a Harry Potter fan to begin with. <laughs> um, but then I went on to a role-playing site... Mm. And I made my own sort of Harry Potter fandom character because, you know, some of my friends were on there and I thought, why not? Is role-playing, um, what is that? Is that like uh, a Sims kind of thing? Or? Uh, this was a text-based thing on, um, oh, on okay. internet forums and it was really, really cool. There's still quite a few out there. Help me out. Is that like, um, uh, what's it called? Oh, my God. Is it, like, is it RPG? Is it that kind of thing? or? So, yeah, like, you know, you... you take a character and you play them essentially it's like writing a round robin 
um, but you just write from the perspective of your character and then take turns. I don't know what a round robin is either. Oh, round robin <laughs> is when you've got like you know a group of people and you know like one person will write one bit and then the next person writes the next bit. And then the next oh, that's cool. Yeah, which you know I can't stick to because I work very badly with others. <laughs> I was like, no, leave my work alone. <laughs> but um, I was on this RPG site and uh, I made a a Potterverse character um, who was this really awesome lesbian tomboy Quidditch captain. Awesome. And, and, you know, from there, you know, like, I started learning things about Quidditch and the magical world. And while I don't, you know, appreciate Harry Potter, the character himself, of course. I do a bit more than I did to begin with, but I fell in love with the world. I fell in love with uh, the trappings of it, especially Quidditch. Like, you know, I, I, I wish Quidditch were a real thing. I've, I've wanted to try out for the um, UQ Quidditch team. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, you know, I'm, you know, a bit soft and, you know, I've got, you know, osteoporosis setting in. And mm. so I'm probably just going to be a happy spectator at this point. If only, like, we really did have flying broomsticks. That would help with osteoporosis oh, so much. it really would. You just fly everywhere. If, if I could fly everywhere, I would be so lazy. <laughs> you know, just, I, well, I wouldn't be lazy. I mean, you'd be you'd be moving around. You'd just be letting the broomstick do most I, of it. I'm pretty sure, like, I've had that same fantasy, but with a Green Lantern power ring. Ah. I would just be, like, you know, picking things up everywhere <laughs> with it. You know, I'd be like, you know, uh, don't want to get out of bed. Ring, reach into the kitchen for me. I definitely think Roald Dahl's Matilda had a big impact on me as a kid where I would start trying, like, <laughs> even just the other day I was laying in bed and I was trying to, like, just summon my laptop from the other room just using <laughs> power. I was like, come on, it's so cold. I don't want to get out of my doona. It oh, it's, it's been like that, especially lately. Like, you know, it's just freezing in Brisbane at the moment. Yeah, and I, I, I have uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis, so I spend a lot of time in bed. Uh, mm. And I have a really good setup where I've got my bedside table, which is basically like um, kind of like stocked for the apocalypse. Mm. I've got everything in there I might need so that everything is just an arm's reach away. Yeah. And uh, sometimes when my boyfriend comes over, uh, he's like, I'm just going to get up and get water. And I'm like, and I'll just pull out this, this water <laughs> bottle, like this reinforced steel water bottle. I'm like, no, it's okay. I got it. I got it covered. It sounds like, sounds like you go to bedroom prepared for the apocalypse. I do. I do. Yeah. I, I actually like a big, <laughs> a big part of how I sort of organize my life is, would this help me survive the apocalypse? Uh, because <laughs> let's face it, I'm already starting off at a pretty major disadvantage. <laughs> mm. Hopefully zombies will just um, leave me be. You know, they, they won't be interested in really tired brains. I, I think, you know, if zombies came, you know, I would actually want to turn. Um, oh, because I'm really? pretty sure. I'm big call. That's a big call. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, shuffling around as a zombie would be less painful than, you know, me trying <laughs> to move my joints at the moment. Uh, I mean, I'd probably be too undead to notice. Like, you know, uh, like, I'm not actually going, uh, brains. Like, right now, I'm just going, uh, joint pain. Uh. <laughs> Pains to brains. It's not much of a shift. Yeah. <laughs> Shimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about Shimmer some more? Yeah. So you started out writing fan fiction online. I did. And then started writing your own original fiction. Yeah, I did. Um, I know I still write some fan fiction sometimes. Like, cool. I know superheroes are also always my love. Like, I was also huge into the DC universe. Then about um, seven years ago when I started my transition, I'm like, I want, I want a character who looks and sounds like me. And mm. so Glimmer Girl kind of was a bit of a self-insert. 
That's great. Um, and I've rebooted. That's what writers do. Yeah, I've yeah. rebooted her four times since, and you know she's come out this purer version. Like at the beginning, she was very, um, you know, she was a lot more sad and negative, and now mm. she's. You know, like I'm turning her into an aspirational figure. No matter what she faces, she's she still has that steadfast determination. But at the same time... That does sound like you, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, at the same time, though, there are moments where, um, you know, like I write her as being, I am genuinely out of my depth. I just want to curl into a ball and cry. Like, you know, even though she's someone with superpowers, you know, she's still a person. Mm. Um, I, I keep telling people I look forward to the first time I send her to outer space to another planet because she's going to be there like, I am light years away from my home and I don't know how I'm getting back and I think I might have a panic attack. See, I can relate to that so much more than when heroes and superheroes kind of find themselves in these crazy situations and immediately adjust. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm floating through space in a, in a space outfit. Um, I'll probably die in the next second, but sweet, like I got this. There are the like you know there are the moments when like you know your brain is on the moment when there's like the adrenaline rush. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is nice when they at least show afterwards the the come down from that adrenaline rush, and yeah. they might show the person like vomiting or sweating or or quiet. Like I, I did like, and I think. Was it Avengers 2? I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, I have. Um, have you I'm heard a comic of it? Fan, have you heard of Avengers? Oh. Um, um, it was this little indie movie. Anyway. It's just um, so obscure. Um, <laughs> but there was a moment where I think they were all flying flying in the big, the big the flying jet. ship. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I'm not... <laughs> My boyfriend's a big Marvel fan and just probably just is probably just living in shame um, at my. He's ignorance. not even listening right now, but he's just like Kate just made a mistake. <laughs> Somewhere he's like, my comic book senses are tingling. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> something terrible is happening. But they were all kind of uh, all the superheroes have just been through a lot, and they were all sitting quietly just reflecting and trying to recover yeah and i really liked that it showed a bit of downtime so that was nice the avengers the avengers actually showed a bit of the effects of traumatic incidents that they can be exhausted and you know taxed as people yeah just emotionally dead i mean that's that's the art of storytelling um Mm. i don't think there has been like a lot of storytelling so much in classic superheroes you know because like you you have the you know like it's always you know might is right um you know the hero knows you know the way to do it and they might be in you know some sort of pickle but then they were like aha i actually planned for this Mm. and then get around it um that's one of the reasons i did not like the amazing spider-man reboot those movies because uh spider-man just became so smug and like spider-man's always been pretty smug but i don't know i didn't andrew garfield spider-man was just there are other moments when you see, you know, he's being smug to cover it up and, you know, just, you know, like, you know, pretend, you know, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, Glimmer Girl does the same thing sometimes. Like, you know, um, <laughs> you read it as part of the dialogue in, um, in some of her confrontations. She'll be standing there talking smack and going, really, that's what you're going to do? While secretly she's thinking, I'm going to get bulldozed and stamped into the ground. What the hell am I doing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> intense have you felt that way i have actually because um, oh, i mean you're a a tall lady yes i um, have um i probably would not take you on <laughs> but i am also tall so maybe I could, i'm, I'm an know. absolute softy so um <laughs> a lot of people seem to think i'm tough but you know no not really and yeah. plus i have bad joints so i don't like lifting my arms anyway mm. um 
But you know there. So are, I could take you, is what you're saying. Yeah, you probably could actually. Bring it. Um, <laughs> no, the, but uh, there are the times when I'm doing, you know, stand up or I'm doing a talk, and um, you know, you see the glazed over looks in people's eyes, and you're just like, oh god, there's an entire crowd. They're gonna stampede you or something. <sighs> um, I, I never actually get that stage fright until I'm up there and in the middle of it, and then. Oh, that's the worst time. Yeah, but you know, like, <laughs> usually by then I'm already talking and I've already got a groove going and I can get through. Um, uh, for me, the worst is um, when they all want to come up and ask you questions afterwards. Um, and you're just like, I'm just trying to breathe. And <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, like, I've just used up all my spoons on the stage, like, you know, pretending that I'm neurotypical and informative and all of these wonderful things. And now I have to one-on-one, -on -one, which means I'm drawing on all these other resources. Um, there, there was a, a talk I did a few weeks ago. Um, where I was talking to a bunch of um, counselors and people who do community health on the Gold Coast. Um, and I was talking about the reality of transgender people and you know, saying there's a lot of people, you know, who think that, you know, we're, we're brave for coming out and transitioning. Um, th that bravery isn't really a choice. You know, like mm. the, the bravery narrative is a, a really common one. Um, and, and I always challenge people to say, okay, if you think we're brave, Ask yourself why we have to be brave and really take that home and think about what you can do about it. The bravery that myself and other trans people have had to go through isn't a conscious choice. It's not something we think about and say, okay, well, we do have to stop and, you know, steal ourselves and, and build up that courage. Um, but it's not a choice because the alternative to not doing that is absolute misery. And, you know, that's not really much of an option at all. And I'm, I'm trying to say that, that this isn't about bravery. This is about integrity. And a woman comes up to me afterwards and she's like, no, you're wrong. I really do think you're brave. You're so brave. You're so courageous. And I'm like, no, I get where you're coming from. That's well-meaning, but uh, please stop. This like, is, you know, this, and this well-meaning... Uh, excuse is something I s I've been struggling a lot with lately mm. uh, and it comes to the people with disability people with chronic illness the bravery narrative is strong there yeah, the as disability well. porn uh, the inspiration porn oh god I'm like yeah. just so tired of it and one of the uh, ideas behind this podcast was uh, we could just it would just be two people with disability talking to each other and we don't have to be brave and we don't have to you just talk about it. You just talk about it. Like, you yeah. don't have to be any way about it. If you feel bad about it today, you can feel bad about it. If you feel like it's fine and, you know, that's great too. Oh, there, are, there are the days, um, you know, as far as, like, you know, my disabilities and such go, um, you know, like, I've got osteoporosis setting in right now, which is... Mm uh not too fun um most mostly you know the the happiest part about that is i get to be cranky sometimes <laughs> you know like i i love you know like an excuse to just be like i'll oh, get away from me when because usually i'm so nice and i'm so patient and then i'm just like no my bones are terrible get away from me <laughs> um <laughs> so it feels like i have an excuse Miranda, why are you being so rude today my bones are terrible <laughs> <laughs> oh and you poor thing can I get you a cuppa? And it, it comes with a free cuppa. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, there's uh, a lot of people don't know this because I, I typically read as um, as very neurotypical. But, you know, I'm on the Asperger's spectrum. Mm. Um, I, I, well, if you'd have met me when I was six years old, I would just 
ramble on without any of the the social niceties. Uh, my aunt told me about you know one day um, when instead of saying hello to her, I just said Autobots transform and roll out. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god. I love six-year-old you. Oh, that's amazing. Six-year-old me was great. And, um, and uh, current you is amazing as well. Yeah. I sort of make sure that that... Uh, yeah, I kind of I picked up when I was 10 years old or so when you know, none of the kids wanted to hang out with me that I wasn't following any of their cues. So I just started paying really close attention and mimicking everyone. And for a few years, that was really awkward. <laughs> Um, you know, even up till my early 20s, that was really awkward. And people would say, everything you say sounds rehearsed. Mm. Um, and even now I'm still doing it. But, um, you know, like... It's difficult though, isn't it? Because you kind of want to be like, but I did this so that I would fit in better. And people are still yeah. like... And people, s- want, people want it to, uh, to be authentic, to be you, authentic you. But when you are authentic you... They don't want that either. Oh God, it's just. I think I think you know they mistake um, a thought out, planned response as inauthentic, as if you know the only authentic response is you know the one that you would do purely on impulse. God, yeah, this is the this is the opposite of the Tony Abbott defense, yeah, isn't it? It really um, is. You know, for him, to only believe the thought out, planned remarks. Uh, yeah, if he t- says it off the top of his head, he's just. He's, he's just, bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, he's just bullshitting freely. Yeah. <laughs> Freestyling. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can still see, like, some of the Aspie stuff. Like, um, when I was moving house, uh, I was packing all, like, you know, most of my partner's things hadn't been packed away yet. And I'm I'm trying to put them away. And you know, I'm like, is there an order to this? I don't know what's going on. And I was just absolutely mentally shutting down. And, um, I, you know, when I do that, you know, I avoid eye contact. My arms sort of flail. I stim a bit. Um, oh, um, can you explain to me what stim means? Because I have read that and I, I'm not sure. Sorry. Okay, stimming is... That okay is yeah, you? yeah. Um, stimming is basically when you need certain stimulation to calm down. Oh, right, um, okay. Like, you know, one of the things for me, like, you know, um, hugging my plush toys, I actually have a pacifier as well, which actually right. works for me, um, which a lot of autistic people actually use as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. didn't know that. You know, suck on a dummy. That's a, that's a thing that to do. Calm anyone down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> could it be something like, um, look at a, like, look, uh, could your iPhone, like, could yeah, you yeah. that particular app or you something? You know, like, um, you know, like going into something, um, certain sensations like another one for me is you know even if it's really hot and i'm you know stimming i will want to put on say a heavy coat or something because all of those layers and just the weight of it will just you know be really soothing to me i can't even sleep with sheets on i need like you know three or four blankets at all times of the year i'm the same and summer is a constant struggle yeah (laughs) i know i need to have a heavy blanket on me or i just can't fall asleep definitely (laughs) And, and, you know, there are the times when I don't read um, the subtle cues when someone will say something, you know, just really sarcastic and I won't read it. Mm. F- fights with partners are interesting as well because you'll say, you know, is everything all right? And you'll hear, I'm fine. But you're hearing, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. And not just Aspie people get that, I know. But, you know, I think, you know, being Aspie amplifies that. I think so. I think uh, having a lot of... Can I use the term Aspie? Uh, I will allow it. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I'll say people with ASD. Having a lot of people with ASD in my life has really helped me 
sort of like it's helped me learn tone because uh, it's helped me be more aware of my tone because I have to be aware of when I'm being sarcastic and when I'm being literal uh, Mm. and how to communicate exactly what my meaning is because if you can't rely like if you can't just assume that someone's going to know exactly what you mean like Mm. that you can just throw out any combination of words and and like a couple of like small physical ticks and they'll know what that means you really have to think about what am I trying to communicate here Mm. and I think it um makes you a more clear communicator which is great and it's it's much it's like there's like much more of a emphasis on uh literality and and clarity and i I really like that yeah i was talking with a a friend's boyfriend last night um he also has asperger's and we were talking about how holistic people like people who aren't on the autism spectrum um have this habit of i don't know we call it lying but you know like generally holistic people just think of it as general niceties like you know with like people will say yeah. i'm not you know i'm fine when you're really not or yeah you know like good morning when it's really not that good a morning oh yeah <laughs> you know the the little lies of society that we you know we do just to be nice to each other um yeah that's interesting because yeah i think like for me i don't think of them as lies i just think of them as um i suppose tradition yeah more than anything mm. it's just a custom it really um, is yeah like you say good morning um, but you're not, I, I think good morning is more like a wish is like, you're hoping for a good morning. It's more like a, um, yeah. an aspirational. That's, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I deliver it. Um, I actually think, I don't know the, the closest I've ever heard it related to was somebody said that it has a very, um, like, you know, the people with Asperger's have a much more of a relationship with those words like the Germans do. Um, in Germany, you know, how do you do is not a question or how are you or like, you know, like, are you having a good day? You know, aren't, you know, questions. Um, I, re- I read a blog about someone, um, an American who was living in Germany and she was like, you know, like, how are you? And the people were like, do you really want to know how I'm doing? <laughs> and he proceeded to spend 20 minutes telling her how he was doing and all the problems that were going on in his office. And she just rolled her eyes at him and was like, well, you asked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's something I try. And I've been thinking about a lot more in the last few years. Is uh, well, I think I always think about it too. Is like what I mean when I say things to people and yeah. what they're hearing. So um, I try and make sure that I only ask how someone's. Do- I only ask how someone's doing if I really want to know. But unfortunately, people still don't necessarily pick up on that, and will just think it's just I'm just being customary and like polite. And then I have to kind of be like, no, really, really, please tell me, tell me yeah. everything. Um, so I just do what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I always I always ask my brother when I f- call him on the phone. I'll be like, "What's up?" And I always the same response: the, the sky, birds, <laughs> birds, plane, trees, space, S- spaceships. I like space actually. Yeah, space is one of my favorite things. Like when I was a kid, everything was dinosaurs, ninjas, and outer space. Yeah. Pretty great. That's the trifecta of childhood. That really is. <laughs> oh, um, I guess if you were like a a twentieth century kid, maybe cowboys. Maybe. 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 I don't know. I know, like, I know my dad. You know, like, grew up on like Bonanza and stuff. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, back in the day. Back in the day. Before they had Captain Planet, and the world changed for the better. Yes. <laughs> he is a hero. Gonna take pollution down, down to, to zero. zero. We could sing that. <laughs> oh, man, I love that song. We could. I, actually, I feel like I derailed you from a story you were telling. Sorry. Was I? You were talking about moving? 
and um, yes, yeah, I was trying um, to find an order while you were moving and I, stimming. I was I was stimming really bad while I was moving. Um, I actually ended up experiencing all the symptoms of a psychotic break. <gasps> yeah, that was Whoa. that was fun. And the the thing is, I don't even remember any of it. But you know, people were describing like you know what I was doing and you know just being completely vagued out. And I don't even remember it. Oh, it must be scary. Oh, it, it was a little scary. You know, I think, I don't know, just my odd perception of time. I just, you know, I didn't worry about it. I'm like, well, it's over now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's that's a nice way to be. Is it? It kind of is sometimes. Because, <laughs> you know, like, well, I, I figure if, if I'm stressing over it, then, you know, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. I can't do anything over what I can't remember. I can yeah. only really pick up the pieces afterwards. Um, that must have been scary for your partners, or your partner and her partner. Not so much. They're both very well versed in mental health. That's great. Yeah. Good to have around. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jax is uh, doing some volunteer counselling at the moment, and you know, like she has a psych degree, so. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Really knows their stuff. Yeah, yeah. How how does your uh, autism, or do you say Asperger's? Which do you prefer? Yeah, yeah, as, Asperger's. Asperger's, because yeah. I know it's well, not... Well, ASD, I guess. So. Yeah, because I know Asperger's has been sort of retired as a diagnosis now, but yeah. I kind of wish it hadn't been, because I feel like it, it describes something different to autism. Do, mm. you, do you think that? Yes and no. Yeah. I, I think it's... Um, I think ASD is a lot more subtle. Um, when when you, I don't know, I was always able to at least, nobody really excused it away as an, as an inability to do anything. I suppose when you have, you know, a more severe form of autism, you know, like that, that, you know, people will say, you know, oh, you're properly disabled. Whereas if it's ASD, it's like you're disabled light. You just need to focus more. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. I can see that totally. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was saying. It's diet disabled. Di- <laughs> it's, dis- it's disability without the calories. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. I completely forgot what I was saying before. We were talking oh. about moving, yeah. Oh, no, that's right. I was going to ask, uh, how does ASD affect... You're polyamorous. Uh, is that... Sorry. Yes, yes, I am. Oh, sorry. You just looked at me and I was like, oh, God, you are, right? I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> I've only got one partner at the moment, but... Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. that's, all, that's all good. <laughs> um, you I, sh- I have so many polyamorous friends now. I just assume everyone's polys. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. I'll run into like someone monogamous and I'll be like, what, really, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm monogamous. Yeah. So I know. It's like There's an aura of boringness that comes off us. No. <laughs> You're wonderful. You're hilarious. Oh, thank you. It's it's you know it's the being straight that gets me. I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Listeners can't see this, but I am awkwardly <laughs> straightening my eyebrows. Uh, I I should clarify heterosexuality. Okay, but I think I am heterosexual. So, what does that mean? I don't know. It means I can't <laughs> chat you up. So. <laughs> I mean, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't say no to a free drink. So. <laughs> oh, I don't know. What do I have to do for him? <laughs> uh, say hi. Oh, that's cool. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you don't have to buy me a drink. Uh, I'll chat to you anytime. Um, no, I, I sometimes struggle with this because I am 
essentially. I would say I, I would identify as straight, cisgender, monogamous. I'm so boring. <laughs> oh, it's not boring. It's it's just a thing. It's, it's just a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, like, my ASD doesn't really affect my, my polyamory too much. It, no more than it would, like, you know, any basic interpersonal relationship. Um, you know, no more than it would with a, a monogamous, you know, couple. Like, sometimes, like, you know, you have difficulty communicating new ideas and concepts. And, you know, with poly, you always have to be... Um, on your toes, ready to work out a new dynamic, unless, you know, you've got something fixed in place. Yeah. Um, you know, like with me, I'm still dating. I'm still, you know, searching around for, um, you know, whoever's interested. All right. Well, you heard it here first, you, listeners. You heard it here first. Miranda Sparks, you could send available. Me a, send me a message. Just say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Free drinks, no strings. Yeah. Pretty good. No, no strings. That's a deal you want to get everywhere. Or you could buy me a drink. I yeah. Like, I like that too. You deserve it, Miranda. Yeah. Buy Miranda a drink, you jerks. Something non-alcoholic. I don't actually, you know, like drink, drink. Oh, um, me neither. Yeah. Hey, high five. High five. Sobriety. Yes. <laughs> it's like... Always have our faculties. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I just have this thing as a writer where um, I have all of my characters who live in my head and they talk to me all the time and I can just absolutely imagine how they would react in any given situation in my life. Um, and then there are the few times when I've had to go to hospital on painkillers and stuff like that. I used to have gallbladder issues a couple of years ago, so Ugh. I would go into hospital and they would just, you know, shoot morphine into my drip. And, you know, and I would hate it because it yeah. would just make my head just go completely quiet. I couldn't talk to anyone in there. And so it was just so quiet and awful and I, I couldn't stand it. That's yeah. why I could never be an addict to anything, I don't think. Because yeah. um, you enjoy your the way your brain is now. Exactly. You know, I love the constant buzz of activity unless I'm awake at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> is that when a lot of Shimmerverse gets written? Ah, uh, no. Usually usually about 7, 8 at night after I've, after, we've, after I've had dinner. Oh, God. You're really disciplined. Or just happen to write at a really socially acceptable time. <laughs> I, I actually sit myself down and force myself to write. I... <sighs> You know, like you mean a shame. Oh, okay. There's even some because you you write poetry. I do. Yeah. Um. I think there is a, a much different discipline to writing, um, straight out prose than there is to writing poetry. Poetry requires poetry. Poetry I must have my correct hat on. Yes. The sun must be in the east. <laughs> must have a high tea. Go everything else. <laughs> yes. The crusts cut off. <laughs> Mm, thank you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you, when you, when I'm writing prose, I'm pretty much just writing what my characters are saying and doing, and I know that's a relatively easy process. In that regard, there is no such thing as writer's block. I have been trying to get into poetry lately. Yeah. That does require a lot more inspiration, I think. It, it's a completely different art form. It is. Um, but I think uh, I've been writing poetry uh, was like seriously writing poetry for like I don't know ten years now, um, mm. and it it actually is a lot. Has I'm finding that my process has a lot more in common with prose than it used to. I, I think yeah. I'm just more disciplined now, um, but I actually will sit down and build a poem, and I'll, I'll nut it out, and I'll actually work on it. So like yesterday, I spent like a couple hours just working on a poem, and okay. 
I used to rely more on what you're talking about, like the waiting for the muse to show up, inspiration to strike, and mm. sort of just try and let it all stream onto the page out of my brain. But I just don't have time for that shit anymore. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think I'm more interested in um, skill now uh, and language. So, I mean, I've always been interested, but I think I just have a just, better appreciation. Just turning a, a fanciful phrase. Yeah, but I think also um, when I write a poem, I, I'm trying to translate an abstract concept most of the time. So it is kind of what, like what, what you're saying with your character speaking mm. to you because something is in my mind and I'm trying to translate it onto the page. Um, it's just maybe not dialogue. That's the only thing. It's, it's um, I rem- uh, I, I just colors and shapes. <laughs> I just randomly remembered the, the first line of prose that got me interested in writing interesting words and just got me interested in wordplay. And it was, um, you know, really early on in uh, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where he described um, the yellow Vogon ships hung in the same ominous way that bricks don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You gotta, you've got to love Douglas Adams. Oh, he's, he's, he was a wonderful man. I think Terry Pratchett was really got me into, like, writing, writing dialogue. Mm. Terry Pratchett can write the shit out of dialogue. Oh, he really can. Oh, could. Sorry. R.I.P. Yes, rest uh, rest in peace. (sighs) That was sad. Anyway, sorry. Um, No, just I I would. I I remember, like, as like a teenager, picking up a Terry Pratchett novel, and he wouldn't use any. uh, Like it was just all dialogue, as if it was a script. But he wouldn't tell you who was speaking because you would just know based on the way he wrote that character and that character's dialogue. It was incredible. Uh, and I remember just thinking, like, I didn't know you could do this. Like, this is amazing. Um, I love it. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, half of it's in the... You know, half of it's just in the way someone talks. Yeah, exactly. But when you read really bad prose, oh, they have yeah. to spell everything out. <laughs> yeah. She said... I hate... Smugly, I don't know. <laughs> I hate using she said, he said, all of that. But, you know, like, I still have to... You do. do it sometimes to break it up. The you do. I think it's more like uh, if it's a crutch, yeah. that's a problem. I never use, like, one of the things I've had to really iron out is not to use words like smugly or, you know, any sort of adjective or adverb. I, I love adverbs, though. Ugh. I avoid them as much as I Like, poetry is a different thing, but, like, you know, when it comes to writing prose, you want to... Um, my friend describes it best by saying that adjectives are like salt and pepper. You don't want to absolutely cake a story in it or else. It's true. Yeah. Um, Although I do like salt. I like a lot of salt. <laughs> That's just me and salt, though. I mean. <laughs> so so you, your, story, your poetry is going to be like this big piece of salted taffy that's just. Oh, that sounds great. Like yeah. a salt lick. Like I'm a horse. <laughs> But I have that. I have a problem with adverbs and commas. I put way too way too much of both in. So when I'm editing a piece, I try and go out and take out two thirds of the commas and two thirds of the adverbs. I'm in love with um, semicolons. Yes, they're so difficult to use, though. They are. But I'll end up using two or three a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when they're done well, though, it's so beautiful. I just don't want my sentences to end. Oh. That that used to be my um my problem in my early writing is um just so many run on sentences. 
Yes. I like that, though. I mean, I think I think people mostly only will tolerate it if it's done really, really well. Mm. But um, I like it. I think, I, I think because I've been on Twitter, I, I write on Twitter a lot. I mean, I say I write on Twitter. I tweet. I tweet a lot is what I'm saying. <laughs> but I think I've... Um, I think it's changed, affecting my writing because I've I've stopped believing that people will be able to stick with me till the end of a long sentence. <laughs> I find myself chopping up my sentences. It's also email writing. You know how like email writing and tweet tweets. Yeah. You have to make it all. Yeah. Like you have to assume that the person is kind of speed reading everything you say. Mm. And so now when I write prose, I'm like, no, no, you can just make this all one sentence. I do like making it, you know, really punchy though. Like, oh, you know, punchy's just, good. Yeah. But I when I read back stuff and it's just like. And then this happened, and that, and this, ha! <laughs> I'm like, oh god, your your Twitter is showing. <laughs> uh, one of the, I know, I actually have um, I actually have some interesting thoughts on you know like writing how it crosses with ASD as well. Oh yeah. Um, and this is something that, because I know it it surprises a lot of people when I say that, even though I write all the time and I love to write, I don't actually read as much as I should. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the reasons is because I, I was, um, I don't know, I, I do attribute it to my ASD because a lot of fanciful writing and, you know, d- description of things in abstract, you know, would be sort of alienating to someone with my mindset who doesn't experience things the same way. Oh. Um, you know, there's, there's the old adage among writers, um, show don't tell. Yeah. Um, so, you know, instead of saying, you know, someone is feeling listless, you would have someone sitting at a table um, running their finger through the sugar on the countertop, you know, in just random shapes or something like that. Um, for someone like me, that's not necessarily a, a trait of listlessness as much as just a need to focus yourself and just, you know, like do something because your body is always active. So I try so to... So I'm trying to show and tell. Sometimes I have to say um, character was feeling listless. And because they were listless, that's why they were doing this. Hmm. I'd never really considered that. It's, but it is a bit like if uh, when I was a kid, I used to read a lot of books from like 19th century England. Yeah. And I just I, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I had no idea what a lorry was until I was like 25. Um, I, d- I don't know what that is either. It's a van. It's just a van. Huh. I know. Like, I think I went I li- went and lived in England for a few months, and I finally learned what a lorry was. But when I was a kid and I would read The Lorry Came Around the Bend, I just would just have an, uh, a blank – there would literally be a blank space in my imaginary landscape <laughs> moving across uh, – along the road because I had no idea. Could See, have been I'm, a, could I'm have just been a imagining dragon. some, you know, big, you know, like lumbering creature that, you know, delivers milk. Um. Yeah, yeah. No, could it could have been anything. I think I just used to insert like a, a, sh- a sort of featureless cube. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody hasn't done the, the programming on that particular part of the landscape yet. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, it's like an inception when she's building... <laughs> she's building use like taking parts of the landscape and building. I just hadn't built that part yet. Yeah. Come to the end of the map. Um Totally. But yeah, no, I can imagine that if if certain things uh so yeah, if it's like things get lost in translation. Mm. Um and uh that would affect the way you read it. Accessibility in writing has been sort of a it, it has been a huge thing for me. Um I think that's why fan fiction as well was 
so welcoming for me and why comic books were so welcoming for me because there is that visual element and not many fan fiction writers are as flowery with their writing or they'll use a million adjectives so you know like okay I can associate this thing with it um definitely more than like you know high literature yeah I mean I'm definitely able to read it a lot better now that you know I've watched people and I've sort of collected information about people and know how people act and think and feel um Doing a psych course helps as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to help. Knowing all of these things that people do that, you know, and even knowing that I do it sometimes, like false attribution is, you know, one thing that I've definitely written into. What's false attribution? As someone who has not done a psych course. Okay, false attribution is when you attribute something to a false cause. So, for example... Um, you know, you could see your curtains blowing and think, there's a ghost there. No, it's just the wind. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like a false attribution. Are you telling me that it's not ghosts doing that? Look, I, I can't say for certain. <laughs> I'm merely the narrator. <laughs> <laughs> You're an unreliable narrator. Oh, look, I used a writing Listen, term. <laughs> no, no, no. As, as a narrator, like, you know, it's also your job to like, uh, and this is just going to sound so pretentious, but yes, half of do it. Half of writing is what you don't write and what you leave Ooh. blank. It's like jazz. It is. Listen to the notes they're not playing. Listen to the notes we're not playing, man. <laughs> it's like a whole different song. <laughs> There's a whole different song happening in my head. Oh, the story in my head is amazing. <laughs> that's one of the most. That's one of the more difficult things for me with um, writing first perspective characters as well. Is that I can't write the things they don't notice. Yeah. That's why it's such a challenge. It's so interesting to read. Yeah. Like Gone Girl. Mm. Good use of first person. I haven't read it, so. It's really good. Okay, I, w- I will. I'm leaving here today with your recommendation. And when I listen to the podcast again, I will be reminded of that recommendation. I hope you're not going to be traumatized. It's, <laughs> it's a very full on book, but good. I actually find um, I don't trigger that easily. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think because I've just talked about things to the point where it's just become just sort of numbed over. Like there's a callus on mm. a lot of my triggers. Um, it's only in certain extreme situations that, you know, I really become triggered. That's really good. I think that there's a real value in talking things to death almost because the, then the, the fear dies with that. There actually is a, a nice bit of neuropsych that goes with that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so pretty much everything we feel happens in a part of our brain called uh, the medulla. Is that the lizard part? I think so, yeah. Cool. It's just this big, round, almond-shaped thing. Wait, okay. No, that's the amygdala. Yeah. Either way, there's a part of the brain <laughs> which is devoted entirely to emotion. And when we're reliving things through, um, you know, just memory, post-traumatic stress, um, all of that stuff. You know, I have, I have a fair bit of PTSD from some things as well. But when we relive those things and we're feeling the emotions and the panic for the first time, uh, as if for the first time, that's the part of the brain we're feeling it in. But when we talk about it, especially when we talk about it frequently, it actually moves these non, non-vocalized concepts into a different part of the brain up into the one of the higher lobes and 
that part of the brain does not feel emotion. Like it, con- it constructs words and you know letters and you know sequences and you know it's how we communicate, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't feel emotion. So when we translate emotions into words, we are literally transforming a memory into another programming language in the brain, essentially. And so the more you talk about some things, I know the less you feel traumatized by it, especially if you do it over and over and over again. Fascinating. Yeah. Which is why catharsis is so important. Absolutely. Wow. Sorry, you've just blown my mind. (laughs) Or now that I've said that, it's no longer blown. I don't know. I don't know anymore. (laughs) All I could think about was Inside Out, the Pixar movie. Oh, I still haven't seen it yet. It's really sweet. Um, I cried a lot. Uh, But there is the the way that they sort of visualize the way a mind works is fascinating. It's just the greatest, like, you know, um, you know, the Pixar process is like, what if toys had feelings? What if bugs had feelings? What if superheroes had feelings? What if cars had feelings? What if feelings had feelings? Oh, my God. They have officially eaten their own tail. They have. <laughs> it's, it's the Pixar Auroboros. Auroboros? Oh, I've never known how to pronounce that. Is that how you do it? I think Auroboros. Auroboros. <laughs> It's, it sounds like a country town that I've never been to. It really That would be a really <laughs> freaky country town that you can never leave. <laughs> oh, we're going to wrap up soon, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, maybe in just like five minutes. Yeah, that's five fa- more minutes. That works. I want to talk to you more. I want to talk to you about everything yeah. under the sun. Yeah. Um, well, we can just still hang out after this is done. So. Oh, no. Sorry. I have a no hanging out with podcast guest policy. Ow. <laughs> oh, uh, Miranda just sort of punched her legs her own legs in frustration and then realized ow i have bad joints uh, have i mentioned i have bad joints i'm so Kids sorry today bad joints <laughs> kids today making me punch myself that, uh, Mi- that miranda's such a pretty young woman really <laughs> is although that pink hair is trouble no you've got like peach i want to say peach highlights mm. at the moment yeah it's it's fading out blonde to blonde again yeah. it's really nice yeah you always you. have nice hair it doesn't matter what like it's always different and it's always excellent i think like you know i keep i keep catching it and it looks apricot yes apricot no totally different to peach uh <laughs> <laughs> see now we're uh, being color snobs <laughs> <laughs> oh god just say orange you idiots oh see idiot oh see i had we were having a conversation yeah we were i've been trying to lose the words idiot and stupid and dumb from my vocabulary and moron and more i never really used moron anyway because yeah. it actually did sound a little too close to saying something like you know mong or retard or something yeah. oh god i don't even like saying it sorry i know just even just talking Ugh. about it academically is really gross but yeah it's really um gross. but idiot stupid and moron are levels of um intellectual disability um, you know, which which has been used to classically diagnose, um, you know, people with with uh, comprehension disorders, which are not used anymore. No, but Hopefully. in the in the classical sense, and the fact mm. that they've become so normalized, and that we use um, people of lower intelligence to bludgeon one another. Yeah, I was genuinely surprised when you told me "idiot" was uh, one of these words because I had always sort of favorite idiot as a go-to I guess like um, 
jerk word or whatever because I figured that it was somehow rooted in id. Mm. Uh, and, and if someone has too much id, that didn't feel like it was having a go at, at intellectual mm. disability. But I, I, It I is think misleading, yeah. Yeah, so I guess I had the etymology all wrong. Um, but it's been really hard especially to lose dumb and stupid um, mm. because they are almost ubiquitous at the moment yeah. in the kind of in slang and um my, my favorites is i'll use um asinine and ridiculous ridiculous is good yeah, yeah. Um, and asinine of course uh, just as that asinine makes you sound smart yeah and i wish i knew what it <laughs> meant i'm not smart enough well asinine <laughs> yeah uh asinine is just when you to say a concept is asinine is to say that it's completely baseless without merit and that it absolutely holds no water, that there is no strength to it whatsoever. So to call someone like, say, I don't know, Tony Abbott, <laughs> asinine would be to say that, you know, he has nothing of substantial contribution to offer, which isn't to say that, you know, which he's isn't, a, it's not, it's not a slur because it's true. It's not saying he's a man of low <laughs> intellect. And here's the tragic part. He's not a man of low intellect. Like, he's a man who is, you know, often misinformed and, you know, is is lacking in particular um, forms of knowledge, you know, that he presides over as prime minister. But he is not uh, a man with low intelligence. Yeah, he's very well educated. Yeah. Rhodes Scholar. Yeah. But he's very ideological, and I think that's his down... Well, I don't I don't know if, it's a, if I would say it's his downfall, because he's probably doing quite fine. It's the country's downfall. Mm. Um I don't know if you watched when he swore in his ministers when they first uh, got elected to government, Um, but he made a speech, and I remember one of the lines quite clearly. uh, He said, we're going to be a government based on ideas, not ideology. And my first reaction was, well, ideology is a system of ideas, so what's the big distinction? But also, he, we we haven't had a more ideological government in Mm. my lifetime, I don't think since 1986 well at least as long as i can remember which isn't very long yeah um but yeah i anyway that's just my thoughts on tony abbott i um uh, i, I did not endorse these views i am just using tony abbott as an example <laughs> no well, i'm totally down with that actually. well pe- people often mistake me if i uh, and i think this happens a lot uh if i criticize or sort of uh talk about the liberal party or like tony abbott and they're like well labor is no good either and i'm like Oh my God! I never said labor is good. Nobody's saying labor is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody is saying that. Um, oh, there's a lot of people in Australia right now who feel that there are no government bodies who represent them. Yes. But maybe that's just because you know, like it's I'm disturbing. an alternative radio, and half the people I know are anarchists and communists. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we were both presenters on Four Triple Z. Yeah. Uh, in our spare time. And I'm sorry, I missed you last Sunday too. Yeah. No, I was sad you weren't there. Um, it would have been very crowded, though. It would have been. We had three co-hosts and a guest. Yes. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Megahers on Sundays, 12 to 1, if you were in Brisbane. Uh, you and can which tune I'm in. mostly presenting, you know. So yeah, yeah, and I have been listening back to the podcasts, and you do an excellent interview. Thank uh, you. You do give a good interview. Um, I've, I've just started winging it now. I actually find those are the best interviews. Yes, that's a big thing is like, Thankfully, winging it works for me because I'm terrible at preparing. So, <laughs> like, all you really need is like an okay. This is the EP. This is the the tour date. This is the show time. 
that's all you really need. Otherwise, you're just like, you know, hi, how are you doing? Like, how's the oxygen on your planet? <laughs> uh, it's, it's good. I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know enough about oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, un, uncluttered with uh, pollutants. <laughs> <laughs> it's very pure. It's pure on my planet. I'm you, a poet, you see. Oh, yes. Everything is pure. Hand us the tea, would you love? <laughs> Before you go, I did want to talk to you about this talk that you gave last year as part of a seminar on intersectional feminism, and it was called Embracing Cisgender. Yes. Uh, And you said that for cis people to better coexist with trans people and to be better allies, we can embrace what it means to be cisgender, um, which I, I immediately, as soon as you said this in the talk, I went, sweet, just keep doing what I always do. And then you said, the next thing you said in the talk was, you may think that means continue as normal, but it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be wrong. Yeah, um. that's it. Um, so can, like, can you sort of break down why, and cisgender was just recently um, added to the Oxford English Dictionary, yeah, it was. which is really cool. That That's really cool because, you know, frequently there were internet arguments of saying cisgender is just a made up word. Yeah, because other words were given to us by God. Like, they, come they on. Really were. <laughs> well, I have heard people argue that English is God's language, so. <laughs> I know. Oh. The Bible didn't take its true form oh until it was God. translated into King James, according to <laughs> one of my uncles. Wow. Really? Yeah. Because that's a big thing is whenever you want to talk about the Bible with, with people who are very, very loyal to it, you sort of go, well, but like, do you just mean King James version? So yeah. that's a good way out of that yeah, argument totally. is to just say, well, yes, and King ev- James is and God's everyone version. else is a Philistine. <laughs> but um, no, uh, embracing cisgender, um, just getting back to the question. Yes. Yes. Uh, when I say that to, to cisgender people, what I mean to say is... Um, it is to embrace that that is the the path that your gender took. A lot of a lot of the difficulty about you know like the reason cisgender exists is because before that we had the language of transgender people and normal people. Yes, and exactly. And if if people who aren't transgender are normal, what does that say about trans people? So we invented cisgender, which describe and the use of cisgender says that. Um, trans women and cis women and trans men and cis men are still legitimately women and men, mm. but that cisgender and transgender merely talk about the paths that you take to get to that point. There's there's a different starting point, you know. Like I'm I'm as you know legitimate a woman as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only difference between us is that I started off at a completely different point and I had to assert my girlhood and my womanhood yeah. later in life. Otherwise, you know, um, that's I, the, that's I had the mine asserted for me by external perception. Yeah, the like you know, the, the thing is, like, you know, um, you know, we talk about, you know, trans people and we say, you know, oh, yes, like, you know, we had this gender role thrust upon us. But it wasn't just trans people. That happens to, that happens to cisgender, that happens to everybody on mm. the planet. What happens is a doctor picks you up, takes a cursory glance at your genitalia. You can't even argue chromosomes because doctors don't do chromosome tests as soon as you're born. They just check to make sure that, you know, you're physically healthy. So true. They take a cursory glance at your genitalia. And from there, you are assigned a lifetime of roles, expectations, limitations, um, aspirations. And just, you know, like already your life is prescribed a certain shape. 
so many people assume that, you know, like a child with a vagina is going to grow up into a woman and maybe be a mother and maybe be a wife with a husband, you know, to be a heterosexual woman, to, to um, you know, to play with dolls during childhood and all of that stuff. Maybe, you know, have a bit of a tomboy phase like, you know, like we all do. Ha 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 ha. You know, whereas, you know, with boys, you know, generally there's not that much freedom in childhood. It's like, you know, like trucks build things, whatever. You grow up, you be, you know, big, strong, red-blooded, heterosexual man. Um, my family's aspiration for me when I was born was to be a quote-unquote great man of God. And I'm like, well, one out of three ain't bad. <laughs> You're pretty great. I am pretty great. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cop to that. Um, but, you know, they wanted me to be, uh, you know, like, you know, this, you know, like proud, you know, preacher man, you know, you know who goes around wearing suits and, you know, heals the sick and... And what have you, and you know, I'm like, you know, no, unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a punk rock transgender girl, so, <laughs> and a lesbian one to boot, and you know, like a tomboy lesbian at that, so, oh, well, we're in a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I find I find that a bit interesting, and I think maybe that would go against a lot of people's expectations of a trans woman is that you are you you self-identify as a tomboy. Yeah. Um, so it's like I, I think sometimes people get confused and think I, that uh, the, trans the full, women the just full, want dresses. <laughs> the full term I use is uh, tomboy androfem. Ooh, androfem. Yeah, I like that because I do have a bit of androgyny and I do have a bit of fem in there. Um, one one of the very deliberate things about the representation of my identity is that I haven't changed my voice at all. Um, and was that an option? That was an option. Like, you know, for a lot of for a lot of transgender women there is a lot of insecurity about having a voice that broke through puberty. Right. Um and for me I'm just like I love my voice. My voice is pretty great. The only thing I hate about my voice is how it's chronically misconstrued as male. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yesterday I was I was telling you just before we we, we went on. Um there was a guy walking by, he said hello to me. And I said hello back, and he said, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were a girl. And I'm like, I am a girl. <laughs> Which, I, as I said to you, I don't understand because would he have... I don't understand why he had to even specify, even if even if he had misgendered you. Um, it's not like being a girl is insulting. Well, well, that, yeah, exactly, but I don't see how it changes how you say hello to someone. <laughs> or maybe he was like, oh, I wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> he sounds great, by the way. Yeah, he, he's an interesting character. <laughs> he may very well be listening to this at some point. Um, hi. hi. Don't do that anymore. Um, and maybe don't day drink. I mean, I don't know you. I don't know what your situation is, but it just doesn't sound like it's working You did for seem you. a bit buzzed, dude. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> oh, but I really liked uh, what you said in your embracing cisgender speech um, about how embracing the word cisgender and the identity of cisgender can help allies decentralize themselves from the narrative. And that was just like something that is incredibly useful for me personally. And I think mm. for all allies, because that's something I constantly struggle with. How do I decentralize myself? Like when you're like a white person, a straight person, a cis person, um, you're sort of like used to being at the default center of yeah. the narratives. Like you don't just, you know, the thing about, you know, cisgender is often the way society has normalized a lot of these concepts is that 
cisgender doesn't even have to be said most of the time at this point exactly it's optional yeah um you know most other women out there um you know can just say i'm a woman and you know like that's perfectly fine whereas when i talk about my womanhood you know there's always like this little asterisk that says yes but a transgender one came came to it by this road kind of yeah you know and by by saying you know cisgender saying you know like oh yes I'm woman, and this is how I reach this destination as well. And it's it's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. And it really talks about it as, um, I don't know, the sacred feminine, someone, one of my friends called it, which I really, really like, as if it's this, you know, mecca that we all just sort of, you know, move toward. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my teens I was trying to go towards the sacred masculine. I was like, <laughs> give me some of that. Them, people don't people don't talk over them. I, I was I was trying that in my teens as well, and yeah. wasn't really doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, mate. <laughs> I still sometimes, um, if I'm at an event or I'm trying to get my voice heard, I still I still will just lower my voice. Like I, I was at a uh, poetry slam and I was trying to be heard. I think I was judging or something, and mm. um, I, I I was going. Hey, um, I like this, you know, trying to get attention, and nobody was listening to me. And then I went, "Oi!" like this, and they were like, "Oh yes, uh, the person at the back." And I was like, "Yeah, man!" And I like got, I actually got my message heard, and um, a friend sitting next to me turned to me and went, "You changed your voice." And I was like, "Well, they heard me, didn't they?" Like, <laughs> nobody listens to someone going, "Hi, I just wanted, just wanted to say something." Hey, listen to me. <laughs> it's um, th- there is a. There's a trend I've noticed, like, you know, and while there is a lot of, while sexism towards women is still, you know, a huge, huge issue, um, there's also the, another oppression that ties into it, um, which is just, you know, general femphobia and people who Mm. are, like, you know, it's not just men, it's not just women, it's not just non-binary people, it's, you know, every, like, there is a real cultural shame about expressing femininity yeah um i found that as well you know during my transition like i you know i had a lot of tomboy friends and they were like listen if you do the whole girly girl frou-frou pink thing then you can go to hell and i'm like okay i wasn't going to do that anyway but what would be wrong if i did yeah you know and uh, you know that's wrong with pink yeah perfectly nice color pink is a great color pink is you know like the color my hair is most of the time so (laughs) My partner hates it, but she's like, it's, it's okay on you. <laughs> it looks good. I think it looks good on you. Yeah. I, I happen to look really good in magenta, but in my teens, I just, n- like, the last thing I wanted to wear was pink. Because I, I, I was very much, I think I, I succumbed to that femphobia thing. Yeah. I was like, I'm not one of those girls, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's Which, a, thank God, I've come out of. That's a really dangerous mentality. <laughs> Especially when you realize, like, you know, like, how incredible, you know, girls and women are. Yes. That's it. Yeah. And that's why I like the idea of girl gangs to come back to your yeah. hellbound, hellbound dolly. dolls. Dolls? Sorry, I said dollies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they'd feel complimented by that. Yeah, well, my, gr- my grandma's name was Dolly, so I think it's nice. All of the characters in Hellbound Dolls, they are all extremely um, femme, frou-frou, and just, you know, girly girls, but they will still beat the ever-living tar out of you if you cross them. Mm-hmm. The very first chapter is them, you know, walking into a convenience store and beating up the clerk for calling them queer. Nice. <laughs> the clerk won't do that again. <laughs> well, I know. I'll, I'll let you see how the story goes for yourself. <laughs> there is a lot of, like, really um, triggering, you know, stuff in there, like a lot of, you know, brutal transphobia, which, 
you know, you won't see in a lot of my other work. Right. Like, you know, I'll, I'll address it vaguely in Shimmer, but not really, you know, be overtly horrible about it. Um, Hellbound Dolls, I'm just like, warts and all. Just, you know, let it happen with maximum brutality. Yeah. Because it's, it's out there, unfortunately, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'm afraid we have to wrap up, which really sucks. But I'm going to put links to... Uh, Glim- the Glimmer Girl stories and the Hellbound Dolls, not dollies. Um, <laughs> Hellbound Dollies. I like that, though. Hellbound Dollies. It sounds so 40s. I really like it. It really um, does. Yeah. <laughs> They're all there doing, like, you know, the Charleston now. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, we were going to sing something on this podcast. We were. What we, uh, was that song from Devil Wears Oh, because I had... Um, I had uh, her face is a map of the world. It's a map, map of the world. world. <laughs> and you can see she's a beautiful girl. She's a beautiful girl. And everything, everything around her is a silver ray of light. In a stride. Suddenly I suddenly I see. This is what I wanna be. Suddenly I suddenly I see. Why the hell it means so much to me. Suddenly I see. Suddenly I see. And half the way is walking down the street. That's it for 2015. We did it. Yay. Oh, final episode for 2015. And 2016 is going to be pretty exciting for this old podcast. Um, I think uh, largely thanks to my Patreon patrons. Uh, if you would like to be a patron of the podcast, um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash JAS podcast. It's basically like a tip jar. If you like what you hear, you can pledge some money per episode to help me keep the lights on and keep going and do exciting things um, like improving accessibility uh, for pe- people, all people with disabilities to access this podcast, um, which is I have some plans for and I'll tell you about them next year because they're still in development but it's going to be great um i would like to thank miranda sparks for being my guest this episode uh she was a pleasure and if you would like to find out more about her work i will be posting links to shimmerverse and her facebook page and probably i think i'll put up a link to that amazing talk she did about being a cisgender ally um and i'll put it all on the justice boonful tumblr which is justiceboonfulpodcast.tumblr.com and you can also follow us on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter. Um, it's it's just me. I do the I do the Twitter for the podcast. Um, so you can chat to me. It's just at JAS Podcast. And I also post a lot of uh, links to interesting disability relevant stories that I think you might like if you like the podcast. Um, there is going to be this is the final episode for a couple months. There's not going to be an episode in January because um, I need to uh, take take a month off and I know what you're thinking Caitlin you've taken a lot of months off this year um and yeah it's (laughs) it's been a rough year um but I'm hoping that next year I can re regroup and with the support of my patrons I can keep doing great things with this podcast uh hopefully it's you think it's great um Yes, yeah, so February 2016 will be the next episode. And uh, for this episode, I would especially like to thank uh, my patrons, Chris Woods, Katie Rowney, Tegan, Kristen B, 
Alan Varwick, Lauren Pico, Jim Reynolds, Talia F.E., David Riding, Jessica Alice, Heidi, Anna Spargo Ryan, James Colley, Leifa Singleton Norton, Jane Howard, Kate Rohde, Ashley Warren, Josh Dinellen, Scott Mercer, Kara Schlegel, and Alexandra Neal, and everyone who has ever supported the Patreon. Thank you very much. If you would like to become a patron of the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash JS podcast. You can pledge... Uh, a certain amount of money uh, per episode and there are rewards or you can just pledge a one-off amount of money Uh, you can do whatever you afford and whatever you like and um, yeah there are rewards like I'll make you a handmade zine just for you Um, there is a a Google Hangout pajama party in the works that you could get access to Uh, and if you want to pledge over $20 an episode if if you (laughs) I only have one person doing that at the moment so he like owns me um uh, you can uh, you can choose a word or topic that I have to secretly work into conversation with my next guest without the guest knowing. So that's going to be fun. And uh, because all my interviews were already recorded before I started the Patreon, um, I haven't had a chance to do that yet. But the next interview here, that will be happening. So I will have to work in whatever uh, god-awful word uh, my patron <laughs> makes me say. <laughs> while I'm talking to um, my guest who's probably going to be a stranger and going to think I'm a crazy person. Oh, should I say crazy person? Oh, God. Look, even people with disabilities podcasts get it wrong. <laughs> get it wrong sometimes. Um, anyway, it's going to be great. Um, please follow Twitter on Twitter and chat to me. Tell me what you think about the podcast. And Uh, Until February, I hope you find a little bit of something to help you get through the day. Thanks for listening. Uh.